0: Well, good morning. Good to have everybody here. Happy New Year. It's good to see you. So, figured probably I should give you some kind of a challenge on the New Year. So, the passage the Lord laid on my heart was uh, Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. It's Mark chapter 12, verses 28 to 34. Now, if you're a young person, you probably don't remember this commercial, but my guess is if you're, I don't know, 35, 40 or above, maybe you remember this. There was an old commercial out, um, and and, and it was a a toothpaste commercial, and they would say, how's your love life? Do Do you remember that one? Does anybody remember that, or is it just me? And the guy was like, oh, I've been to Rome and Paris. Yeah, but how's your love life? Well, no, no, not so good. Well, if you use this toothpaste, it will change everything, which, I mean, that's false advertising. But, but nonetheless, the only, so I am in no way endorsing the toothpaste or anything else. But my question for you is, how is your love life? And maybe to get you thinking, I may have read some of this to you in the past, but one of the my prized possessions is something I, somebody gave me back in the 1980s. Um, I was a youth pastor at the time, and one of the guys was working as a janitor at the local junior high, high school, and he found in the trash the diary of a young woman um, and just kind of described her love life. Um, so this is like an, an eighth grader, okay? Um, can I read some of the entries to you? Okay, this is what she says. And this t- th- these entries take place over a period of three months, three to four months. I love Tony. Next entry, I love Ted. Next entry, I love Ted. Next one, forget about Tony, I'm Ted's. Next one, I wish Ted would like me. Bad news. Ted is only a good friend. Andy and Jeff are very cute. (laughs) Jeff is a fox. I love Jeff. I love Jeff. Mike is cute. Mike is a fox. I love Jeff. Jeff is gorgeous. Unfortunately, Karen also likes Mike. I love Andy, I love Brad, Scott is a fox, Mike is a fox, Tony is a fox. Her vocabulary is not very extensive as you can figure. I hate Tony. I hate Tony. That's another entry. Kurt is cute. I think I like Matt. Ted is cute. I love Tony again. Junior high girl, we all have known them that have done those kinds of things. Humorous when you read it like that. But you know, I've wondered sometimes, what would my diary sound like about my love relationship with God? Perhaps one day it would say Doug's heart, is set on God. And maybe the next entry would say, Doug lives his life for selfies. The next one, Doug is really concerned about the idol of acceptance in his life. Doug is really concerned about respect. I love God. (laughs) You know, I mean, am I right? I mean, if you just like tracked your own, this dear woman, young lady, I, I fear that mine won't sound a whole lot different than hers. And the passage before us drives us back again to consider the question, how is your love life with God? In the passage, <laughs> I love this passage. I mean, if we had time to look at, but, but just to give you this, just to give you a little bit of background, this takes place when Jesus is in the temple, you Remember? And the religious leaders are so mad at him that they're convinced that they have a plan of attack to, to come after him. So, so the Pharisees come after him, the Herodians come after him, the Sadducees come after him. Everybody comes after him and everybody walks away like a dog with, with their tail between, you know, their feet. And they just, they, they take off. In other words, they, they're just whipped every time. And apparently there's a young Pharisaic Lawyer who's watching all this. And he's thinking, let me see if I can get him. So in chapter 12, verse 28, the Bible says, And one of the scribes came and heard them arguing and recognized that he, Jesus, had answered the religious leaders well. And so he asked him, and here's his question. What commandment is foremost of all? So, so he's listening and he's saying, Jesus wipes out the Sadducees and the, and the Pharisees as a whole and the Herodians and all these groups. But I'm gonna kinda, I'm going to ask him what the greatest commandment is, see how he answers, and maybe banter with him a little bit. I'm ready. I'm young, but I'm ready to go. And Jesus says this. Jesus answered, the foremost is, and here's what I want you to realize. Do you ever wonder why Jesus didn't say, Jesus answered, the foremost is, and he's going to say in verse 30, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and spirit. I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm expecting. If the young man says, what's the greatest commandment, I'm expecting Jesus to say, love God. But that's not where he starts. Jesus says, the foremost is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. Not a lot of wiggle room there, is there? The second is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment. Greater than these. So I, I want to take a few moments to unpack what Jesus says. The young man asks for a commandment, and Jesus gives him something more than a commandment. And I think it's absolutely critical what Jesus does here. Here's what I would argue in verse 29, he's asking, What do I have to do? And Jesus is saying, It starts with who you know. Do you see that? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And Jesus says before we can talk about a commandment, how you should respond to God, let me tell you something about God. The only way the commandment makes any sense is, number one, if there's only one God to whom you answer. The exclusivity of God. The Lord our God is one Lord. There's not two, there's not 20. Now, to us, that may make a whole lot of sense. But in the ancient world, that wouldn't have made any sense. Because in this ancient world, it is fine to have a whole host of gods at one time. And in one fell swoop, as he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, Jesus looks at this man and says, let me tell you something. You're asking me for a commandment. I'm going to talk to you first about a relationship. There is only one Lord. There is only one God. Everything else is a broken cistern. Everything else is a waste. Nothing else compares to Jesus Christ. So on the one hand, God is exclusively God. And number two, this exclusive God is ours. So there's both the exclusivity of God and the intimacy of God in the same moment. This guy is saying, Jesus, what do I have to do? And he starts with, who is God? God is God alone. And God in his grace has covenant, has covenanted, covenanted, how do you like that for a word? I'm going to get to it. He has covenanted, to be in relationship with the nation of Israel. You can't talk at the end of the day about doing something for God if you don't start with God. He is the one great God who has put himself in relationship with us. Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God, is one Lord. Do you see that, folks? So even for me to start out by saying, how's your love life? It's probably the wrong question. The question should be, who's God? Because you can't love one who you don't know and who hasn't entered into relationship with you. We don't, we don't, my guess is if I came to your home, I wouldn't see like a little idol in your home. You wouldn't come and say, "Oh, yeah, that's that's our that's our local god right there." Oh, yeah, how about that? Or, you know, I mean, that would take me back. We don't we don't do that, do we? But we do have our idols, don't we? And maybe it would be the the, the idol of materialism, or individualism. I don't really need people after all. Or or just a whole host of isms, right? Somebody said years ago, because God is the only God, every ism will become a wasm one day. Isn't that true? Because there is only one God. And he is ours. So I'm going to talk to you about love. (laughs) But it's impossible to love God. It's impossible to love others as he's intended if you're not in relationship with him. It's where it always begins. And, and when Jesus says this, Jesus has stepped on the scene saying, "I and the Father are one. If you want to know the Father, you'll know it in me." And then he says, "The Lord our God is one Lord." He is saying, "Everything is culminating in me." <laughs> Hero Israel. The Lord our God is one Lord, and Jesus is the ultimate package of all of that. So, this young ruler got a lot more than he was asking for. He thought he'd kind of pull one, off on G, pull one over on Jesus. And Jesus starts back by telling him it's all about relationship. This great God who is ours. The more deeply I understand that, the more powerfully I'm able to enter into my response to this God. And thus, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And so, just two things that kind of jump off of me there. Number one, to love God is both internal and external, isn't it? With all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind. It is it is something internal. When I'm driving my car and I'm all by myself, what is it that I think about? Do I dream about being rich, having things, and being popular? Or do I think about the cross? Do do, do you see? it's, 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 It's internal. It's what I think. It's what I want. It's what I desire. It's my passion. It's my ambitions. It's everything. It starts inside and it's with all my strength. So whatever I do, I do fully for him. It's internal. It's external. And it is complete. Four times he uses the word all. I mean, wouldn't it be nice if the text says, you shall love the, God, you love the Lord your God with 75% of your soul? 65% of your mind? 45%, you know what I'm saying? But there's no wiggle room with this passage, is there, folks? The more deeply I enter into who God is, the God who has sent Jesus Christ, the more powerfully I will be motivated to move back to this God and to say, God, I think of you, I desire you, I love you with with everything. There's no wiggle room in this passage, folks. So I love him above every relationship. I love him above every desire in my heart. I may have read this passage to you sometime in the past. I don't know, but this... I read this passage, and and this comes from Deuteronomy 13. This thing just knocks my socks off. Because it's just like, do you mean to love God when he was talking to the Jews? Well, just listen to what he says. This is like, wow. If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or your daughter, or the wife you embrace, or your friend who is as as your own soul entices you secretly saying, hey, let us go and serve other gods, which neither you nor your fathers have known. Some of the gods are the people who are around about you, whether near you or far off, from one end of the earth to the other. You shall not yield to him or listen to him. Okay, I I get that one, I get that one. Nor shall your eye pity him. Okay, I kind of get that one. Nor shall you spare him, nor shall you conceal him. But you shall kill him. Now, I can explain this in just a minute. So relax, okay? But I'm just saying. But you shall kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. You shall stone him to death with stones, because he sought to draw you away from the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Does that set you back? Or is it just me? you read that and go like, oh, well, whatever. I read that and go like, holy mackerel. Do you mean they were told that the people that are closest and most precious to you, if they're trying to lead you away, that They need to be stoned, and you're the one that throws the first stone. I mean, is that what it says? Now, we don't live under the Old Testament covenant. Praise the Lord, I get that one. But if you read Luke 14, Jesus will say, if anyone's going to be my follower, he's got to reject father and mother, wife, son, daughter, and those, and even his, his own life if he's going to be my follower. So this is obviously not some practice we should be carrying out. Hey, that guy's not helping me. I'm going to like kill him. No, that's not the point. Here's the point. The point is in all of my, it was quite graphic there. The point is in all of my relationships, I will always go with God and never go with another person against God even the people most precious to me. its not that the hardest? When one of my children say, oh, dad, please. I'm like, Ugh. You know what I mean? As a father, I melt. But I can't. I have to always say what is the most loving thing to God because the most loving thing to God will be the most loving thing to them. But that's not easy. Is it easy? No, I look at them and I go, that's hard. It's deep, it's painful. But this text says, "To love God with everything inside of me means there can be no p- person before him, including those who are closest to me ever." And even Doug Finkbeiner. I don't know who came up with the expression selfies, But isn't it easy to live life as a selfie?. <laughs> Hey, listen. I mean, some of my a couple, of, one of my daughters. I love her dearly, but man, she's just like selfie crazy. Yeah, and she's she's a wonderful young lady, and so, but but man, it's just like man, that's a lot of pictures of yourself, you know. However, that's what I fight against. I'm always struggling with selfie. Dug this and dug that, and look at me here and look at me there. To love God means I've got to love him above everything else, every person, including my own passions and desires. The outworking comes in verse 31, where he says, the second commandment is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love God above all else and love your neighbor as yourself is what the text is saying. Here's how the Bible pictures it. We love because what? He first loved us. It always starts with the Lord our God. Do you see that? where God moves toward us. And then I move back toward him by his grace through his spirit. And then I love what he loves. And you know what he loves? He loves people. I, I may not know you personally real well, or maybe I know you, some of you better than others. But here's what I know. God loves everybody in here. And for me to say, God, you have captured my soul by the gospel and I'm all about you, and I see somebody in here and I go like, oh man, what a pain in the neck. There's a problem and the problem is not you, the problem is me. Do you see that? Because to love God is to love what God values. And God values people. And so Jesus gives the full picture. Everything that was lost in the garden, where there was alienation with God and therefore alienation with others, is restored when God comes near, restores us to himself, we love him, and then we love those that God loves, which is all people. And that changes everything, folks. So what does a young man say to all this? Look at verse 32. And the scribes said to him, "Uh, Right, teacher. You have truly stated that he is one and there is no one else beside him. And to love him with all the heart and with all the understanding, with all the strength, and to love one's neighbor as himself. And then he adds this one statement. Is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. That's really interesting. It comes from Hosea chapter 6. I, I don't know a lot about this scribe. I know he's a little bit cocky because nobody else could come up with the question, but he's going to come and he's going to see if Jesus can handle his question. And when Jesus finishes, he says, you're right. I think this whole idea of loving God and loving your neighbor, it seems to me, Jesus, that's even more important than all the rituals that we're engaged in. And notice what Jesus says in response. And when Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And after that, no one ventured to ask him any more questions. They were like worn out after that. But do you see what's happening? Here's a young man who was testy with Jesus. And he comes to Jesus and he says, Okay, I got one for you, pal. See if you can answer this. And Jesus' response does not only include the command, but the motivation behind the command, powerfully given to this man. And when the guy hears the whole thing, he says, You're exactly right. And isn't a relationship with God more important than ritual? And Jesus says, you're not in the kingdom, but you're moving in the right direction. Because so many Jews felt that they were okay with God because they did temple sacrifices. Or they were Jewish, or they were a pretty good neighbor, or they were this, or they were that. And at least this young man is realizing maybe it's not about the ritual. And Jesus says, if you keep going down that road, you will find everything else that you could possibly trust will fall by the wayside. You will find out that loving God and loving your neighbor, which is absolutely critical, is something at the end of the day which you can never actually do. Which is exactly what Jesus does two chapters before this in Mark chapter 10. Where there is a rich young ruler that comes to Jesus and says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And by the time Jesus gets done with that man, the disciples say, well, that guy's not saved, then who can be saved? And Jesus says... With people, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And Jesus is laying before this young man. Ritual won't get you there. Your effort won't get you there. Your pedigree won't get you there. Nothing will get you there. The command is something you must do. The command is something you can't do. Do you see? Jesus says, let me do something much better. You must, but you can't. I did, and if you know me, I will make it a greater reality in your life. That's the gospel, isn't it? Does Doug Finkbinder love perfectly? Er- No. Ever? It's passing, possibly. Maybe. Right, that's right, that's right. My best day. That's right, that's right. Right, but, But here's the difference. I'm united to the one who did. I'm united to the one who has forgiven me. I'm united to the one who has given me of his spirit. And he says, Doug, you must, but you can't. I did. When you're connected to me and you're forgiven and you're my child, I will make it a greater reality in your life. It's why he says in Mark chapter 10 the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Doug, you can't. You must but you can't. I did. I will die for you. And as you know me, I will transform you. So hear, O oh Christian, the Lord, our Lord, is one God. And he has manifested himself ultimately in the person of his son. Hear that. And this text is telling us this at the end of the day. Here's one statement for you. Here it is. To experience the wonder of God in Christ is to love God supremely and your neighbor equally. So, my question to you at the beginning was not quite fair. How's your love life? I guess a better question would be how deeply have you entered into the wonder of God? it's that hero Israel the lord our god is one lord it's all that stuff that the more deeply i enter into the more i appreciate who god is and what he's done in the person of his son that just overwhelms me folks and the only thing i can do in response to all that is to say man i love you you get it all I'll even love those people you love, Lord, if you help me. Isn't that how it's supposed to work? It's not, I'm going to crank it out. Like, I'm going to just start really loving. I'm going to start love Phil, I'm going to start loving you. And Phil's an easy guy to love, but but that's not where it starts. The more I enter into the wonder of God, here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord the more i enter into that the more i'm motivated and empowered to respond to him by giving it all and to loving what he loves that's it it's pretty simple stuff it's impossible to do but it's not hard to understand and so we keep coming back to the one who has forgiven us and we ask him to transform us by the spirit so how's your love life Well, if you're talking about how much he's loved us in the person of his son, it's off the charts. If you're talking talking about how Doug Finkbeiner has responded to God, eh, it's a little sketchy sometimes. But I'm accepted in the beloved. God is for me in the person of his son. He is mine, not because of me, but because of him. And that moves me to love him and to love others. Father. We, we thank you for the simplicity of your word. It, it is, it's not hard to understand so, so often. It's just impossible to live out apart from your enabling grace. Would you, would you overwhelm us afresh with you? with the only God who has come near in the person of his son to make us his own that we might give back to him by loving him and loving others. Lord, would you continue that good work? We all need it. God, I think of how many people I need this passage with. Do your good work in our hearts, we pray. And Lord, for anybody here who doesn't know you, help them to realize they can't. They can't do this apart from knowing you. Thank you, Lord, for the the hope that we have in the gospel. In Christ's name I pray, amen.